Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. This week, I'm so excited to be joined by Rich Chiz, a principal at an elementary school in New Jersey, blogger, presenter, and the author of Four O'Clock Faculty. Rich, thank you so much for joining us today. I am glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And Rich, as you know, the show is centered on leadership development. I would love to hear your personal leadership journey and how you became an administrator. So I started as a fifth grade math and science teacher. And from there in the classroom for several years, uh, I had the opportunity to take an instructional technology coaching position. And it was one of those situations where the district had cut some administrators. There was still a lot of administrative work to be done, but the district was looking for people to do that work uh, without really paying them as administrators. So I kind of fell into the role uh, because of my background with technology. And it was an opportunity where I got to work in 10 different buildings with 10 different building principals, a variety of supervisors and central office administrators, and really had the opportunity to kind of see what type of work administrators are doing, got to see a lot of really good things from administrators and a lot of really bad things from administrators. And it kind of helped me to go down that path. And from there in the role, I decided, you know what, I I finally need to become an administrator. Uh, I jumped into the curriculum route. So I became a curriculum supervisor and eventually a a director of curriculum and instruction. And from there, you know, I was doing a ton of stuff. It was amazing work that I was able to do. But the piece that I was really missing was the connection with students. You know, I made a hard decision to leave that director of curriculum and instruction role and uh, come back to being a building principal. And this is now my second uh, principalship that I'm currently in. And I love it. I get to be around the kids every day, be around the teachers, still do some of that instructional leadership and you know, professional development that I'm passionate about, uh, but also just getting to connect with kids every day, whether that's in the lunchroom or the playground. And uh, it, it's really been an amazing experience for me. And in your transition from a teacher to an administrator, what was your largest misconception as you began your administrative experience? I think the biggest piece was that all teachers were going to accept me. (laughs) And uh, I think that was the most difficulty that I had was learning about the, I don't want to say mistrust, but some of the relationships were hard to form, you know, and it took teachers a while and it took me a while to build those relationships to the point that uh, we were able to trust each other. And I think uh, for a lot of teachers, they have the idea that, you know, the administrator is on the other side and that it's, you know, one side against another. Uh, But it was really just taking time to kind of build those relationships, to have them understand my connection to the classroom. You know, I will still always call myself an educator. That's where I am. And I've never really lost touch with the classroom. I try to get in there as much as possible, you know, on days as a principal where we're short with a sub, you know, I'm popping in there myself. So it's um, trying to keep that connection to the classroom, trying to understand where teachers are coming from. And uh, that was difficult for me at first. And what were some strategies that you used to build those relationships with your teachers? So for me, it came down to uh, one simple thing, and that was um, daily conversations. So it's really getting out in the building, being visible, but talking to educators every day. And uh, in my first role as a supervisor, that was just getting into classrooms. And at that time, I was visiting six or seven schools and trying to just have a conversation. So whether it was during a teacher's prep or if I caught them in the hallway or popped into their classroom for a little while to do a walkthrough. It's just having those conversations and telling them what they're doing really well and just being honest about the feedback that I was giving them. 
And I think through those daily conversations, that's how those relationships got built. And when you became an administrator, what was one area you wanted to change in education? So the biggest piece for me uh, was professional development. And I think that started with my own experience as a teacher. And I, I tell this story in the Four O'Clock Faculty book. Uh, I had the opportunity as a brand new teacher to attend a year-long professional development series on a new writing rubric that we we're using. Uh, and as I said, I was a math and science teacher, so I was not going to be using that writing rubric. And so that kind of stuck with me. Uh, it took me almost a year to finally approach my principal and say, hey, can we use this last meeting time to talk about our math curriculum? And it was one of those things where I didn't really take that responsibility on myself. I just assumed that it was somebody else's problem. And uh, so that was something I carried with me as a teacher. And when I finally became an administrator, I kind of vowed never to put anybody else through that situation. And even now, it's difficult to kind of meet the mandates that we have and the professional development mandates that we have as administrators and still try to provide something meaningful and relevant to our teachers and our colleagues. So it's something that I'm passionate about, something that I talk about in the four o'clock faculty. You know, it's on all of us. It's not just the one administrator who's in the building or the the one district administrator who's who's scheduling the PD, but it's really on everybody to continue their professional learning and to continue that professional development for themselves. As an administrator, what is the most difficult part of being a campus leader? So I think it's it's the daily fires. You see every situation imaginable and possible, and um, there are days when you don't think something's going to be possible, and then suddenly 10 minutes later, it's a possibility. And uh, so it's really dealing with all those and still trying to maintain the larger vision that you're trying to create and push and um, really trying to make sure that you're able to meet all those daily things, but also continuing on uh, in meeting your vision and, and continuing to carry that on um, throughout all those little things that are happening. So how long did it take you to feel really comfortable as a building principal? So this is now my third year as a building principal. I would say once I got into the middle of my sec second year is when I really felt comfortable. And uh, this year I'm also starting in a new school. Uh, so it's kind of repeating some of that same thing, getting to know people, building those relationships again. But having now the experience of being a building principal elsewhere, um, I now have some of those some of those things to rely on as I'm kind of building those relationships now. But it took a long time for me to feel comfortable as a building principal where again, I was dealing with more of those everyday things that need to happen in the building versus, you know, having kind of the big picture and overview from the district level and trying to support everyone in their buildings. It's completely different roles, but uh, again, it was something that took me a little while to be comfortable with. How do you encourage creative thinking and problem solving within your organization? So for me, it comes down to uh, really relying on the leaders that we have in the building. And, you know, everyone is an educational leader. And, you know, for teachers who are in the classroom who don't feel like they're an educational leader, you know, they're leading 20 to 25 students every day. And I think it's really relying on those people having conversations, talking to them about what might be their strengths, really asking them to contribute. And I, I think from the standpoint of uh, being able to say yes as an administrator. So if somebody comes to me with an idea, you know, being willing to say yes, and how can I support you in, in what you want to do? Uh, because I think the last thing you want to do as that administrator is say no, and have somebody who really wants to run with an idea, and, and suddenly you're, uh, you're saying no to it, and then you're not able to have their support moving forward. So I think it's really 
having people, you know, passionate about something, saying yes to them, supporting them, giving them the opportunities to take risks. Uh, not something that I personally do, but a colleague of mine, Jay Billy, who's also a principal in New Jersey, uh, he gives his teachers every year a ticket to take risks. And I think that's a powerful piece as well, is just letting them know that they're able to try something new. And if they try something new that you're not going to come in on an observation or a walkthrough and give really negative feedback, but hey, take the risk, try something new, try something that hasn't been done before and let's see how it works. And we can either fix it or it works and uh, we move forward with it. What is one initiative you've implemented on your campus that you're extremely proud of? So I, I think the biggest piece is really changing that professional development model. Uh, something I did in my previous school and I've also started to do in my current uh, setting is making those staff meetings look different. And you know we've all been we've all been there where you've spent six and a half hours during the day teaching and now suddenly you have to sit at an hour long staff meeting where someone is talking at you from a from an agenda. And I have tried to completely just change that. You know, sometimes it was about modeling a strategy. Uh, so one of the things that we did in my previous school was we modeled QR strategies for teachers and we did a QR code scavenger hunt around the building. And it was something where teachers came, they weren't sitting, they had iPads, they're running all over the building looking for QR codes. And then what was great about it is the next week, our second grade ran with it and they had a QR code scavenger hunt for our second graders in math. So it could be modeling strategies. Sometimes you just recognize when the staff needs a break. That happened to me last year as well. Kind of recognized in, in about March that the staff had had it. Uh, there was a lot of rough things that were happening in the building. And so I had my agenda that I wanted to cover at my staff meeting and I scrapped it and we ended up playing dodgeball for an hour at our staff meeting. And uh, when I tell you that was probably one of the most aggressive dodgeball games that I've ever been a part of. Um, but what was great about it came in on Friday morning after the meeting, and there was a noticeable difference in the air, in the environment, in how teachers were dealing with things, and how teachers were treating kids, and how kids were treating each other. And uh, I think as the as a leader, sometimes you have to recognize those things. Sometimes you have to change what you're doing to meet your staff and, and to meet your students where they are. So in line with that, what is one of the largest barriers to a healthy school culture? I have to say um, dishonesty is the biggest one. You know, I think when you're trying to hide things, you know, sometimes it happens as not sharing the whole truth. And I think that becomes a difficulty for some administrators when you are sharing only certain things with staff members or community members or parents or students, uh, because you're leaving something out intentionally to lead them down a certain path. And I, I think that is probably the biggest thing that probably haunt some administrators and, and can lead to a lot of difficult things within the culture in the building. Um, you have to be honest. You have to share honestly. You have to be open about what you're doing uh, and always communicate your why. You know, letting everybody know, here's the decision I'm making. It's always going to be made in the best interest of children. And this is the reason why I'm doing it. And some of you may agree. Some of you may disagree. But we're making this decision in the best interest of children. And this is the reason why we're doing it. For those starting their leadership journey, what advice do you have for them? That's a, that's a really good one because there are so many lessons that I learned and it took me years to learn um, as a leader. I, I would say the biggest piece is building those relationships, getting to know your staff, your students every day, calling people by their name, you know, knowing what their likes and dislikes and passions are, and really taking advantage of those things, you know, having those daily conversations, getting to know what makes people tick, and really building on that, building that community around that. 
you know, and it starts as a classroom teacher, a classroom teacher getting to know their students, really kind of moving forward from there. And for those who haven't had the opportunity to read Four O'Clock Faculty, can you describe how the book may help our aspiring leaders? Sure. So uh, it is a rogue guide to revolutionizing professional development. And the whole idea is for educators to take charge of their own professional learning. There are a ton of strategies and ideas in there to completely revolutionize your professional development. So if you're kind of stuck in a rut with PD or you're stuck in a rut with your staff meetings, uh, you can go to the book, you can pull out easy to use resources and strategies that you can implement the next day at a staff meeting. Ideas like uh, TechMex Tuesday or Fight Club or um, just lots of different ways to make professional development fun, engaging, and relevant for everyone that's involved. In addition to your admin position, you speak at conferences, you blog, and you're very active on social media. How did you find your voice beyond the campus? So that was, that was something that I kind of stumbled into. I worked with a former colleague who's an art teacher uh, for my fifth grade students. His name is Trevor. And he and I, even after I left the district that I was in, we continued to have conversations about helping students and how to best do that. And we had a lot to say about it and figured that the best way to do that was to start blogging about it. So it took a snow day where I had uh, just an extra day where I was sitting around and said, you know what, now's the time. Let's get this blog started. So we started the four o'clock faculty. It started on that snow day with a couple of posts. And uh, for me, it's just been a therapeutic way to um, share what I'm thinking at the time. We're now coming up on, I think it's almost four years with a blog. It's really been a chance for me to kind of see where I'm at at a certain point in time, to go back and look at some of those things, you know, and see what I was saying at a certain point and, and how that's changed and how my philosophy or beliefs have changed since then. Uh, it's been a powerful thing for me to kind of put my voice out there. It's been wonderful that people have connected with that message uh, that we're trying to share, even eventually leading to the, the book on professional development. But uh, it, it's just a wonderful opportunity to get out there, connect with others, find those people who feel the same way um, or who even challenge the thinking, which is awesome, you know, just to make me think even more. So it's a great way. It's been a great way to share for me and to get out there and connect with others. In closing, what is the most enjoyable aspect of leadership? For me, it's, it's when something works. Uh, so if it's, you know, if I share something with staff uh, at, a, at a staff meeting, um, you know, some type of strategy or resource that they're going to use, and the next day I'm doing walkthroughs in the classrooms and I'm seeing that strategy working with the child. That's really, it's those wow moments where it's an aha moment for the teacher or the student um, where they're making that connection, where they're able to learn something or share something or make a connection when I see those things that I've helped teachers to implement, um, that's when it really becomes powerful for me. How can our listeners connect with you on social media? So uh, I'm on Twitter at R-A-C-Z-Y-Z. -Z -Z. And then also um, everything can be linked uh, from our website, which is fouroclockfaculty.com, F-O-U-R, o'clockfaculty.com. And uh, from there, you can connect with uh, all of our accounts. Please continue to check out the Aspire podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and share your ratings and reviews. Don't forget to use the Aspire lead hashtag as you continue the conversation on Twitter. Rich, thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks, Joshua. I appreciate it.